What's happening, folks? Jig night. Here we go. Here we go. What is happening, folks? Welcome to Jig Night. I am Mike Murphy, a.k.a. Barracuda. This is Jig Squad Live and the Tackle Making Podcast. And I am, as always, very excited to be here talking with you all. I love seeing everyone in chat. Everyone starts rolling in as the minutes go by. But uh, tonight, I'm super excited. So we have, uh, I, I'm going to call it, this is like we, we the second show in a row where we have a, a southern type of company coming in a jig maker, and I'm super excited to uh, bring uh, John in tonight from True South Custom Lures, and uh, and we have some fun talk. So um, for everyone in chat, I'm going to hit you up. Chris, nice to see you. Andrew, Fishing262, Michael Bradley, welcome, guys. Um, And the rest of the crew will come running in, the usuals, and probably some new peeps. But without further ado, let's get at it. Darius Bass, what's happening? Let's get John in here. John, what's what's up, up, buddy? Welcome to Jig Squad Live. How are you, man? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Absolutely. Um, so, so for everyone in chat, or if you're listening on replay later, um, I had, and you guys hear me say this all the time. There's, there's so many different great jig uh, designers out there, jig companies, but I've always kind of had like an eye on True South uh, custom lures and their jigs, and the reason is because they were just clean, they were crisp, they were. Um, and, and I just, I, it was real, 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 um, I don't know. I was kind of like, this is it. I like these guys. They run a, a clean, clean business. And I said, you know what? These are going to be somebody I have to get on. And after talking with John a little bit more, I, I feel pretty good that it reaffirms my um, uh, liking of this company. I can't wait for you guys to hear the story tonight. So, John, enough of me um, babbling, starting off. But tell us about you a little bit. Uh, and then we'll we'll get into the history a little bit. Tell us about your company, and then I want to hear the backstory as well, too. Okay, well, um, you know, as, as far as our company itself, we are 100% build everything in-house kind of company. So um, we are basically a plastic company and a jig company, wiring, lead baits, and all that stuff, too. But it's biz baits with True South Custom Lures in there as a brand. So okay. if people don't understand that, it's kind of like we brought two companies together, Biz, Biz Bates being the the uh, mother company and us in there as a brand or line of baits is, okay. is our company. So um, we have three full-time employees. Um, we're very small considering what's out there, you know, as far as a production okay. company, but we do everything in-house. So we don't outsource. Um, we you know, spin cast and hand pour and paint nice. and tie everything in house. Same thing with our plastics. We do all injection stuff um, at our shop in Concord, North Carolina. Super cool. And so, um, so just to reiterate some of the things that John says, you'll hear me repeat things sometimes, and that's probably just the educator in me, right? Um, so the true South is uh, combined and paired up with biz Bates. So if you go to actually biz Bates, website you're going to find um the true south jig so they that is that is one company they are together and um and you can also here's the other thing too right john i think tackle warehouse has all yep. your jigs spinner baits um uh on i call them the undressed jigs whether it right. be um ned jigs uh 
finesse jigs, things like that. But the, so the tackle warehouse or biz baits are the two primary spots where they can get uh, the true South custom jigs. Correct. Yeah. You can go to tackle warehouse. Tackle warehouse carries the complete line of true South stuff that we offer outside of custom. But um, I'm not, I don't think they carry the complete line of biz baits yet, but they will okay. in the future. And then we have our website, which is bizbaits.com, where you can buy everything. And we have local dealers. You know, we really do, like, care about the mom and pop and the brick-and-mortar stores around the country. So we do have those dealers as well. Okay. Um, which is really cool. And I want to I want to make sure we take some time tonight, John, to talk, obviously, about the jigs. I want you to have a chance to kind of share your ideas behind color and all these different things. Yeah. But before, before we get to that... You guys, I had this awesome conversation with John the other day, and he kind of walked me through like the history of True South, right? And um, and how he started off as a jig maker, and then went on to talk about how it's kind of become the company it is today, and partnering up with Biz Bates. And I just I love the story, and it was awesome. So John, walk walk everyone in chat or on replay down this pathway about you as a jig maker. When did that start, and then how did that development of True South kind of sprawl from that initial experience of you becoming a jig maker right so I, as a kid you know i've always enjoyed fishing so my dad my grandfather always took me fishing and i kind of got into bass fishing into like probably high school and i started i joined a bass club of course and, and enjoyed that part of it and a bunch of us guys in the bass club started fishing the red man tournament trail which was before the bfls and eventually became the bfls and we started fishing those oh yeah and, uh, you know, like there was just sometimes I wanted to tinker with tackle. So I really enjoyed tinkering with tackle, tinkering with tackle and sure. making stuff for myself. And then over those years, I always made my own jigs. You know, either I buy heads and tied them back in the day. I really never poured jigs until about probably 15 years ago. Okay. Um, um, but, I mean, I've been, I've been fishing a long time, but, like, I really enjoyed um, – making my own tackle and then like giving some to my buddies and them saying, Hey man, like they really work good. Like I enjoy fishing with them. I call out fish. And that's kind of how I started making tackle in the beginning. Okay. And then later on when I met my wife and we started fishing a lot together in a, like a couple style trail, um, I started making some more stuff and I said, you know, what? I'm going to start like pouring my own heads and painting my own heads and making them for people. Sure. And, you know, as that progressed into, you know, I'm just going to make jigs, you know, then it's like, oh man, you got to make buzz baits too. Then you got to make spinners. <laughs> you might as well pour some terminal tackle too. And sure. Oh, I know it. You know, I've got a bunch of molds and a, and a little setup in my shop. Sure. And, uh, you know, I was working for a chemical company, you know, that was my career basically. And my wife really encouraged me to start a website. She's like, you ought to sell that stuff that all your buddies are trying to get from you why don't you start a little website and go from there? And then from there it went to, Oh my gosh, now I can't like work full time and fish and make jigs and stuff. So eventually about four or five years into that website, you know, she just encouraged me to go ahead and retire from my job and, you know, do it full time. We'll, we'll step off a cliff here and try to make it work. And scary, you know, like, right? Yeah. Yeah, dude. I'm telling sure. you, like, it's like jumping off a cliff and not even seeing the bottom. And, you know, I that happened imagine. and it was tough, like for four or five years, it was extremely tough. You know, it's, you're competing against Chinese manufacturers, you're competing against 
Um, everybody else, I mean, you're trying to get your brand out there. You're trying to establish who you are in the industry. So that's kind of how it went along for a while. And then um, I met Brian Souza from BizBaits when he moved from Illinois down to North Carolina around Lake Norman. And we became friends and we kind of cross promoted some stuff for each other since he made sure. plastics and stuff. And then that's how, you know, one day Brian calls me out of the blue. It was like during COVID and he's like, have you ever thought about like joining forces with like another company? Right. And you know, I was like, yeah, I have man, but I really don't know who I would do it with. And he's like, what about me? And you know, so, Hey man, it kind of worked. Like it really like it made a lot of sense for both of us to combine our businesses and bring us some more help in so we could, you know, up our production and fulfill our orders faster. And that's kind of how we got going. I mean, it's, um, you know, we had like on the true style side of things before I joined with Brian, I had sure. 50 stock colors and all these options. So we had to really scale down our line to get started. And then we're slowly kind of scale it back up from there. You know, it's that concept is so interesting. I just so Paladin, uh, um, <laughs> Pandemonium Paladin says in chat, he goes, Hey, these are the buzz baits I had you tie up with sexy shad and green pumpkin. Couldn't miss this one. So you have some fans out there. So what's so interesting about what you say, John, is that, um, well, a couple things. One, um, let me just make a comment about Brian Souza. So, guys, I, funny enough, Brian Souza, he's an Illinois guy, right? Yeah. He's got a phenomenal story as well. And I, I happened upon interacting with Brian Souza a little bit just by chance and messaging on social media, right? Right. And, and through through that messaging, I was kind of like, what a great what a great guy this is. But, you know, and then I kind of um, I don't think I knew originally that that was that direct connection with True South. Like I, I, I basically started following True South for a while with the jigs. And then I found out that it was combined and I didn't put those two together. But right. what I've what I've come to find out is um, is like I, I just I kind of really value both of these two companies that. They just have a lot of really clean stuff. Uh, um, the marketing's not overdone. I just, I just kind of like them. And the funny thing, John, about what you're saying um, is the volume of like colors and stuff. Like, so any every jig maker out there has, you know, a, a si six different favorite colors, whether it be of you or your friends, right? Right, right. Everybody has their confidence color, you know. Yes, and then there's the other fifty. 50 designs that you've come up with over time. And there's always like one or two oddball ones that a friend likes, or they kind of never make it into your regular rotation. You may love it, yeah. but they just don't become part of your regular rotation. Right. But very interesting enough from like a, from a company a business perspective, you kind of have to, you got to get yourself narrowed down uh, exactly. to what you do. And some, there's other companies out there that don't think that way. They think yeah. that I'm going to put 50 colors up on, on the site and, you know, um, I want to, I want to be able to look at colors and say, Hey, you know what? I really like that color. And and if I have 50 to pick from, I don't yeah. know. I can't well, pick I mean, one over the other sometimes, truthfully. Yeah. yeah. I think sometimes, I mean, you don't want to confuse your customers. So I feel like sometimes if you offer too many options, they don't know which way to go with it. So we, you know, Brian and I, when we got together and he has the same story as me, man, he started off in his grandmother's basement, you know, and 
we, we, both our wives are nurses. So we kind of like understand that whole vibe too. And we, we know that we had to scale down the true South line. Cause we only, we have 200 SKUs right now, just on the true South side of things before I probably had 400. Cause I had options of hooks. I had options of skirt type. I had options of color. Right. Like I, I had a lot of colors and I still have them in my head. I don't have them sure. written down anywhere. I mean, I could just like, if somebody says, oh man, make the Norman magic color. We don't make it now, but I could make it. You know what I mean? So um, I feel like we tried to make sure we have a good broad spectrum of colors. You know, of course we picked our popular colors, but um, I wanted to put something out there where we had a complete line of base and colors that fit every situation as much as possible without confusing our customers. You know, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it absolutely does. So the primary, um, so the primary categories for you, John, uh, in True South, is you've got a swim jig, you've yeah. got a uh, finesse ball head, right? You've got a football, right? And you've got like a flipping jig, which you know I I I'm gonna use the term sparky, but it's not a true yeah. sparky head, sparky or arky style. Yeah, it's head. probably. Our fathead flipping jig is the all-purpose jig. You can That's do it. a lot of stuff with it. You can skip it. You can swim it. You can drag it. You can do about anything with that jig alone without having to have any of the other ones, basically. Very, very, very cool. So so be, besides those um, those primary colors and stuff, what day in and day out when you're out, if, well, when you get a chance to go fishing, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. When yeah, that happens... Are you, do you have your own few little favorites outside of your color lines that are like, uh, or, or are you fishing mostly those color lines uh, well, when you're going out fishing? I'm extremely simple when it comes to my colors. Like, and you know, GP Brown, that is my standard color jig. I can change the trailer up any way I want. I can put a sapphire blue on it. I can put brown. I can put GP on it. You know, there's, it's so versatile, just that color. It's, a basic brown jig with a little bit of green pumpkin in it. Um, outside of that, I probably, you know, down here in the south, we do swim a white jig a lot, but it's really more dock skipping kind of deal during shad. Sure. Um, so I definitely have a white jig in my box. I have a GP brown. I have some type of dark color, like, you know, black and blue. Um, one of the colors I used to make years ago was, I called it 3B. It was black, brown, and blue. It was a oh solid God. flipping color. During the spring, when the water's dirty and cold, that was my go-to color. And then I'll have a bluegill color. And, you know, we, we talked about this before, but, like, my little girl, when she was six, put together the male-male crawl jig, which is basically a crawfish, bluegill, blue crab-style imitating jig that just is so versatile, and it catches them everywhere. Um. By the way, after you and I talked, I went back to go look at that color, and it is phenomenal. I mean, the part that I like about it the most, obviously, is the blue shimmer, the blue craw accents that you threw in there Yeah, uh, that are just phenomenal. T talk talk about that color a little bit, about how that color came to be, because I've heard this story, and right. I want I want you to tell it. Do you have any in front of you or around you? Um, I, I posted one on Instagram yesterday, I think. You did. Um, I don't have one right in front of me right now. That's okay. Um, because I'm, if I was at the shop, I could grab you all you want. But um, 
one day. That's I'll the Instagram, the guys. You could find find uh, John's stuff on True South Custom Lures on Instagram. Um, but yeah, really so, cool. You should check out the color. So she was in this. My little girl. You know, of course, I had my shop at my house for forever into the last couple of years when we moved to our new shop with Biz Bates. Sure. So I'm out here in my shop making jigs all the time, and I, I mean, dude, I'll be out here till midnight sometimes trying to fulfill orders and keep my customers caught up, which is almost impossible when you do everything by yourself. Right. I got it. Yeah. So she comes out here and I had like a GP blue jig and I had a magic crawl jig and I had a hot crawl style jig with the hot crawl tab in it. And she's like, what are you doing? I was like, well, I mean, these are our three most popular jigs right now. And she's like, well, why don't you just take one of each tab or part of each tab and like put them together. And she like picks them up, puts them together. And I look down at it and I'm like, dude, that thing is right. Like it has the colors you want, you know, because mm-hmm. you know how the crawls look. They get that bluish color, that magic crawl color. They get some green pumpkin in them and they get a little orange on them, you know? Yes. And just the colors flow together so well. I was like, well, shoot, I'll just make this color. And it's- I called it, you know, she's, you know, she's getting ready to start middle school. So I don't call her Mel Mel anymore. I call her Melody. So um, I got, that yeah. was the deal. And that's one of our most popular colors to date. You know, it's crazy how it sounds. And, you know, we talked about colors and how they come together. And it's just like you can put stuff together that you think is going to look good and it just doesn't. And yeah. then you pick up a few tabs and add a little accent to something and you say, oh, yeah, that's it. Because you know it as soon as you see it. You know, you know the color you're going for. And when you do that, it's like, that's it right there. Yeah. And you know, it's funny, John, cause that's like, like when I, when I talk about my own like design preferences, like that's what I talk about when I, when I say, um, color is that it's the flow of color. Does it come together to look like something? And this is not a knock on anyone out there at all. I mean, there's so many different companies. There's a lot of companies that will offer a lot of different jig colors. Right. And, yeah, um, and one of the things is there's like one slight change or two slight changes. And I just, I look at it and I, and I look at some jigs sometimes and I go, Oh, that, that looks cool. But I have to say that the, sometimes co- the colors don't, even though I like it, the colors don't make sense to me. Right. Um, and so I highlighted a comment by Brian Schmidt. Right. And he says, smart confidence colors, obviously. Right. Those are the, like, just like you were talking about. And then an oddball color. <clears throat> Now, the interesting thing about an oddball color, and this is the part that keeps me designing, because right. if it wasn't for the oddball colors, I I wouldn't I wouldn't make a lot of stuff anymore because yeah. I got to tell you, I I'm a GP guy. Like, I, I believe I can make GP work anywhere. Right. But aside yeah. from that, oddball colors are cool from the end that season to season or year to year, I should say. Well, season to season as well. There are sometimes oddball colors that work really well one year on a particular body of water, and then that might change to another color uh, the next year. And I've watched that happen on the south end of Lake Michigan several times, Mm -hmm. and I've also watched it happen on the river systems uh, in in Midwest Illinois and Northern Illinois. Yeah. And and so that is why those oddball colors – um, keep me excited about trying new and different things because sure. I just, I think that, uh, but, but they definitely, I'll be honest with you. They definitely don't. The only time they get remade is when they catch. 
And usually I only got one or two of them and then I go and make more and pass them out. Right. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah, So over the years I've made some, some of those oddball colors that I thought like, man, these things just, I don't know if they're going to work right or not. And the guys go out and they smash them on them. But I mean, part of that to me is like it, when you're trying a new color, you have to catch fish on, or you're not going to have confidence in it. You know what I mean? Right. But like I've made some crazy, like, purple and black with like Carolina blue colors. Yeah. That has fish in clear water that you would think that, Oh, that's not going to work, but it works. So I'm not saying all colors work. And it's really like, sometimes it's the circumstance and sometimes it's the body of water. I know spotted bass for me, like around Lake Norman and stuff here, they tend Mm -hmm. to like, like oddball colors. I don't know why, but they just Mm -hmm. do. I don't know if it stands out from everything else. Or sure. whatever. They tend to bite like I think I could just make a just a solid color pink jig and go out there and catch right. one sometimes. Right. And um I and John, I've I've always said like for me, like, you know, there's people who say color doesn't matter. They're say I color, I love color. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And and I even go and talk sometimes. Um like there's there's two like and I've mentioned this before on this on Jig Squad Live in the show. I've said I can look at certain designers and I can pick their jigs out. Um, right. Uh, if you were to show me pictures, I could pick their jigs out because of the mm. color designs and how they they build their jigs. And let me give you an example. There are some designers that I you know I think that are well. There's there's earth tone designers. Let's call it that way. You know, there's yeah. somebody that. If somebody's creating an earth tone design, it doesn't mean they don't create oddball colors and other things too. Right. But you could see a tendency of the certain designers that are more geared towards the browns, rusts, and things like that. And then there's other designers that you see more in the greens and deeper blues and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I I just see it. And and maybe I'm crazy. Maybe it's it's just me, but I when I think of color flow, like I look at designers when they're making those earthy type of toned patterns and I look and I'm like, they're a brown designer and I don't like the brown designs as much as I like the greens and blues and earth tones in that category, as opposed to the browns, the rusts, the beiges, the tans. And it's so funny because I've never heard anyone else talk about that. Uh, I, I say that and it's weird because I feel like I'm the only one thinking about things like that. Um, mm-hmm. But then here, the best part is, I'll give you an example. So when on some of your jig designs, one of the cool features that you have is that you use some of your scurrying materials you use has the, whether it be the tiger patterns or whatever people want to call it, they're right. broken up with some of the black. Well, I love that. I love those broken up patterns for those different colors too. So it's just interesting to see how people go about designing yeah. colors and jigs and what it looks like. Right. What do you think about I mean, that? You can you can build like a brown jig, but like everybody builds a different brown jig because like you don't have like for me, it's very hard for me to put one single color in a jig. If it's brown, I tend to go brown and then add another tone of brown to give it some texture. I got you. I don't. I mean, it's just just that's the way I am. But not not that it doesn't work if you just put straight brown in it. But I like some texture, and that's why I use, like, different versus, like, I'll use, like, you know, different 
cab designs, sometimes it's Dalmatian, sometimes it's the uh, the bait fish pattern on them. Sometimes I use straight, like just colors with some flake in it. But I like to break that up a little bit with some texture. But I mean, they they're all like I love to watch, look at everybody's jigs, and I see their like tendencies. But I really enjoy everybody's stuff. Like it's just I awesome agree. to see. Like sometimes I'll see a color and like that color right there is is money like just it's beautiful like outside of the if it catches fish or not it's just like artwork to me so i really enjoy like all the custom designers and stuff i used to do so much more custom than i do now um but we're not just yeah. not to just trying to keep inventory and all that stuff up um because we try to ship our customers their order within a day of ordering yeah and that makes that, sense that's too. the hard part like sure i, I was doing it here by myself everything was made to order i get three four weeks out sometimes and it like it would bother me because i know that these guys want their stuff but they were right. i mean customers were great they were very patient they understood that i just couldn't like you know please everybody that fast but it is nice to be able to now like have help in the shop to build these jigs and to keep things going and guys order stuff and they get it faster than what they would get from tackle warehouse sometimes from us Sure. I mean, yeah, I completely, I get that. I mean, and you know, it's funny because the one thing that I've learned too, by talking to different people, John, is that, you know, even, um, even though there's some, some guys like yourself included, you, you own a business, right? Yeah. Um, but aside from that, the one common denominator that I keep seeing that comes up, right. Is that no one ever has not one person I've spoken to has lost that edge of their thrill of design and yeah. creating. And even though you have a prescribed line, right? Mm -hmm. I just remember talking to you and you're like, this is great. This reminds me why I started designing, why I started making jigs. Yeah. And I just, I really like hearing that from people. And, and the thing is, um, you know, sometimes guys get wrapped up in what hook you're using and all these other things. That's fine. A lot of companies use different hooks, right? Um, but, you know, to be able to talk about design and talk about influence behind some of those things is kind of a cool thing, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and and like I said, like, just like tomorrow in the shop, I'm going in, I'm laying out all our tabs and categorizing those, those tabs so I can start working on the next new colors we're going to come out with. So it's really fun on those days where I'm not just making tackle and fishing tackle and handling the everyday business stuff. And sure. I get to actually sit down and say, okay, you know, we want a brown and orange jig. Let's come up with a new one. You know, we want to replace the color in our lineup that's not selling as well as we want. We want to freshen up the line. So we'll go through and say, you know, we need this color, something in this color range and something in this color range. Sure. And it's really fun to lay out that stuff and get input from the oh. guys in the shop. Because everybody's different. Like, everybody's yes. so different. And for us to, like, do that, it gives us a good feel of what the customer would really enjoy is from all the different guys in the shop, what they really like about certain colors and, and, and the design part of it. John, let me ask you a question. On, um, Let's go with, like, uh, let's go with the swim jig line, okay, as an example. Talk to me about the size hooks you guys are using in your swim jig line. Is, is there a difference between the various weights or what you're no, thinking? We go, with, we go with straight four alt hooks. Like I've tried the bigger ones 
Okay. But I mean, unless it's a custom order, we're going to go straight for all hooks. I really feel like for us, like, and from making them over the years, that that size hook works the best for me, even in the flipping jig. Like, you know, some guys, there was a trend there for a while. Everybody wanted giant hooks in their jigs. Right. Right. I, we found really quick, like even the guys that I know that fish around here that are professionals, they're like, dude, the four all hook lands me more fish, keeps me not hung up all the time. So in our swim jig, we do use just a four all hook in the three eighths and the halves. Uh, that's interesting you say that because I, it's funny because I was thinking this recently and I said, um, I, I just started thinking that and I'll be, <laughs> I'll be honest because I just got done, John. So I posted a short little reel because Instagram wants you to post reels now. And I'm thinking, yeah, I, I don't care. I like posting pictures, but I'll throw a reel up once in a while. So right. I, I had the pot on in the garage last night and I was pouring up. Um, I got I got some a hook restock order that came in and I was pouring. Uh, it was the uh, it basically it was the um, unweighted or the, the weighted jig hook mold from do it molds. Right. Right. Yeah. And so it's an underbelly. Right. It's an right. underbelly weighted. You put up, you put a screw, um, a screw pin on the top. I, I use them for small paddle-tailed swim baits. But anyway, I I have um, I have three odd, four odd. I have all these larger sizes. But I I said, oh my gosh! I said I can't. The three odd is too big for some of the smaller swim baits that I want to throw. So I go, I want to make, I want to make one is a one eye. And it's funny because I would rather throw a swim bait. A, pla- a paddle-tailed swim bait with an exposed hook any day of the week on a ball head, but I'm right. trying to diversify and be able to use it for like fishing ponds and yeah. stuff like that with a little bit of grass and and um and so I got one ots in and I got <laughs> I was so happy to go out and pour these I I'd forgotten to order them probably for honestly for the past six months and finally I got them in and I go I'm gonna pour these and I go man this is my favorite jig type. <laughs> feature that i poured in the last six months and it just it was just an underbelly weighted jig hook right. so, just a simple thing you know and you know like in the swim baits this, with hook sizes you got to be very careful like they're so sensitive to hook size you know and and it's very hard yes. to put a make a swim a swim bait jig head that fits everybody's stuff because everybody throws between a three three and a half four five inch bait and you just can't make one jig head to fit right. everything. And that's one thing. Like, we only have, like, really only have one swim bait jig head in our lineup right now. And it's just a little finesse swim bait head with a screw lock on it. Just for fishing finesse type stuff. But, like, before when I was making swim jig heads, I mean, dude, I would go from one alts to five alts, sometimes sixes, depending on what those guys are putting in them. Because I always ask the customer, what are you putting on I don't, I don't, I would need to know that because I want to make sure that that hook is going to fit that bait the right way and make it swim properly. You know, that's a great point because I, that's, to be honest with you, that's something we haven't talked about on Jig Squad before. But on swim jigs, you know, it all depends on what the the mold, whether it's a spin cast, a, a mold right. you pour yourself uh, for, the, for the guy at home or whatever it is. What's interesting is is how that jig is molded is a it's a big deal because mm-hmm. after the head of the jig, so it's it's not even as much about the hook size anymore. It's about where the weight of the lead goes right. on the hook, right? Because if you have yeah. more 
weight uh, on the hook hook of the um, of the shank of the hook, right. that bait's going to sit a little further back. And what's crazy is, I have there's been times river fishing where I have I've watched the lights go on and lights go off because of the size swim bait uh, uh, jig that I was using. And what I mean by that, and it wasn't on a skirted jig, but the same is applicable and applies how far that paddle tail hangs off the back of the bend of the hook matters. It really matters in terms of action. It matters in terms of how much roll is going to be in the bait. And, and I put jigs on, I put paddle tails on the back of jigs before, and it was three quarters of the way down the bait. And then I didn't get bit. And I'd switch over to a smaller size jig head that only covered half of the body of that paddle tail. And it was like the feedback was on because the action imparted just changed dramatically. And so I can't, I can only imagine like, but in a swim jig, when you, when you, for your swim jigs as an example, that is a little bit back from the head of what I mean is the area, the surface area where you could put a a trailer or a paddle tail on the back of a swim jig. That's a little further back than the head. Right. So So you have a, you know, you have your, your collar for your skirt and then you have a barb keeper. So that lead is running back because we pretty much use like just a regular casting jig head for the, for our swim jig. Cause I really like the way it comes through cover. The balance is good on it. And we're in the process of prototyping, a swim jig that has the same balance. It may have a few tweaks and things we want to improve on the design. Sure. But I'm, I'm holding one right here. And this is like just uh, a regular. This is what I love. Let me make you big. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. Just a regular casting swim jig. Like it's just a casting mold. Basically. It's yeah. Basically a do it, you know? So, mm-hmm. and that's like our baby gill color. I like to put like we, you know, BizBase makes a really good crawl trailer called a cutter crawl, but I'll put okay. a paddle tail on it. You know, like I really feel like what you're hitting on there is the profile too. Like it's like throwing a big jig all day and then you switch to a finesse jig. Right. They're still on a jig bite, but the profile changes and then you're getting bit again. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's strange, but the profile of the jig to me makes a huge difference in whether you're getting bites or not. You know what? I love that comment so much because you, you know, what's funny. So what I've said on, on this show many times, I'm going to repeat it now because it's just part of our discussion, John and the rest the people in chat, if they've heard it before, they've heard it before. But what I've told many people, a lot of times on a jig, whether it be on the bottom and even a swim jig, sometimes I, I put a straight tailed finesse worm on, and sometimes it might be half. I just adjust the size on how much I want to come out the back. Mm-hmm. You, man, I'm telling you, I am I am absolutely in love with the way what you can make a jig do with just the jig, as opposed to the trailer. And I'll be I'm going to be brutally honest. I haven't said it like this before on this show. Mm-hmm. I think more guys or more fisher people, more fisher people are concerned with the trailer that they're putting on the back of their jig than they are the jig themselves. Right. And tell me I'm wrong, but I got to tell you, anytime I ever hear on any show or podcast where people are talking about it, and that's not to knock anyone, 
all mm-hmm. it all the conversation all and look at me i i should talk because i'm the one that started talking about panel tales right? right but but the reality is um what my thing is is the size of the trailer coming off and you keyed on it about this the um the profile that it's creating and mm-hmm. profile when it comes to a paddle tail uh yeah maybe it flaps and people could talk about height of the profile but really all, all a trailer is going to do is add length to the profile right, it's not right. add bulk or um a silhouette of a bait fish it doesn't do that um yeah. so i don't know i just kind of i guess i kind of think about it like I prioritize the order of what I'm looking for in the jig, sometimes a little bit different. There's guys that say you can't fish this type of jig without a paddle tail. Yeah. Why? Well, yeah, I, I, I like the. I mean, as far as the jig design itself, I like a jig that's balanced, depending on what type of jig it is. But the balance of the jig is very important. And as far as trailers goes, I just break them down into three types. I've got a swimming trailer, which is could be a paddle tail, could be a a crawl swimming bait. Okay. I've got what I call a flapping bait, like a Z crawl or something like that. And then I've got what I call the glider, which is basically a chunk with like like a big salty zoom chunk. It just glides. Doesn't do anything. So like flipping or pitching or skipping a jig, I break it down into that category of gliding, swimming, flapping. Swimming and flapping are very close to me and like what the fish like. I think you could go either way there. But there's something about a gliding chunk on a bait versus a swimming chunk that just shines at certain times, you know? John, funny enough, so Cumberland Pro Lures was on last week, and, the, and he was talking about putting on the old school Zoom uh, super salty chunk, the large one. Yeah, on the, the back. Is, yeah, and talking about how it creates that that flow um, – profile in the back and he's like you just you got to see it to understand it where it's not right. it's not as much um flapping like a crawl like like crawl uh um, right. flappers like you would get out of like some of the stuff you got on biz baits or like the paku craw and other things like yeah. that yeah but you it just changes it and it makes it funny enough it was enough now you're saying it this week so two weeks yeah. two shows in a row the southern boys are talking to me about a glide <laughs> A glide profile talk talk to me about that so what give me an example what would be some some uh back end baits that you would put on for that glide profile to get that effect with the jig well, well the big salty from zoom is a big chunk so it gives the bait a lot more bulk yes the way the bait falls and we we'll skip under a dock here in the south and we'll basically swim that jig back out Okay. But we're not. It's a not. It's not like the old Alabama shake, like the Alabama boys swim a jig when they're just shaking it completely. Right. It's just like stroking it out underneath there, and that gliding and falling action of that chunk. There's something about it. It just really triggers fish. Now I'm not saying that a swimming chunk won't work or a flapping chunk because it seems like as the water gets really hot in the summer, they tend to like that more action type trailer. Sure. Uh, Okay. Especially in the cooler water, um, they like that that gliding, falling chunk action. For me, I don't. I, I mean, I can't really say why it works better sometimes, but there's times when that thing will get more bites than a guy throwing like a swimming style chunk. And I, I don't know what it is, but it just has a more flowing, natural action. It's not doing a lot. I get you know? what you're saying. 
Yeah, you, you think about like finesse fishing, a lot of those baits don't do anything. Yeah, I kind of like how you describe it because like a flapping bait and a paddle-tailed swim bait as a trailer are kind of going to give you the same type of thing. It's just a single Somewhat, or a yeah. double, right? Somewhat. Yeah. It's not the same. I understand that. But um, it's interesting because now you brought up a whole nother concept of like stroking a jig. I, yeah. yeah, You'll hear people talk about stroking a jig, but you don't hear people talking about stroking a jig after you're throwing it under docks and bringing yeah. it out. That yeah, that is not. see this is why everyone told me they're like you gotta you Murph you gotta start talking to the southern boys a little bit and get yeah. them and get them on because you know to be honest with you John I mean and it's not that you guys don't have that you've got finesse profile jigs too but I mean us yeah. us us northern guys and, and like we we yeah. talk about all these things but when I'm I, when I'm stroking a jig it's in twenty some feet of water on the Great Lakes <laughs> and open water you know like yeah, it, early We're, in the year early in the year you know so like it's so interesting to hear uh like these terms and talk about these and other things and it's not like we don't pitch throw docks you know we 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 throw docks we pitch docks we fish for largemouth too but right. you know it, that's not it's a whole different world when we're talking about some of the things we talk about when it's like uh, right smallmouth chasing or or a lot of times uh even river fishing you know there's two different types of river fishing in my mind. You know, there's river fishing where you're fishing docks, which is a lot of features like a, uh, like you're fishing a lake. And then there's moving water and fishing eddies and, right. um, yeah. and current lines. It's, and, and it's so unique to me. I, I just enjoy hearing all these different styles and techniques. John, let me ask you a question. Tell me about this. Talk to me about how much skirt material you are putting in your jigs and what you're thinking on that regarding what it does to a jig. Right. So, I mean, I've seen some jigs out there that have a ton of skirt material in them. And I've seen, I mean, I'll just say, give you an idea. Like the, the Brevarney swim jig is one of the best swim jig finesse jigs out there. Like as far yes. as it has very little skirt material in it. It's very thin. Correct. And then I'll see guys make like, they'll put four tabs of material in one and it's super bulky. So I don't, I don't know that there's a perfect balance of what that is, but to me, it's about two tabs of material. You know, I feel like that's a, a good balance between too much and too little because you can always take it out. You just can't add it, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny, John. And I asked this question because um, a friend of mine that comes on the show once in a while had said, um, Mike, I think, um, it sounds like sometimes you get critical with how much material guys will use in a jig. And I yeah. said, okay. I said, I bring, and I bring it up a lot. Right. Mm -hmm. But I, I guess I didn't process it that way for myself. Right. And so I thought about it a little bit cause I thought, well, you know, shoot, people are going to interpret what I say and stuff differently. And I, I have to be conscious of that. So I, I, I always want to bring this topic up. And, and part of the reason yeah. is because, my design style doesn't need to be uh, the way everyone else's is. So I, I'm in line with the Bravarni boys, right? The, the, yeah, it, yeah. And just that scene. And those are the type of things I make. But I will tell you this. If you look at Jig Squad, uh, like what I repost of designers on Instagram, the one of the funniest things is probably three quarters of the jigs I post are two to three tabs worth of material, right? So it's not on the right. low end. Mm -hmm. Even though I personally like my own designs to be less and fairly, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Some of my 
tried and true combos of jigs that I still use to this day. And I've been fishing them for 15, 15 plus years are jigs that have two and a half to three tabs in them. And, I, right. and I'm not afraid to admit that, but I will say this. If it's anything new I'm designing, it doesn't have that much in there. It's it's much less. And right. I, I even try to see how much, how little I could get away with sometimes. Right. And it, it um, depends on the material too. Like It really does. Rubber versus flat rubber, or square rubber or silicone. They're all different. You know, like sometimes I just look at a jig and think like that has the right amount of material in it. But really, I just, uh, like when I'm fishing, the amount of material in my jig really controls the fall rate as well as the trailer. Yes. Like a lot of times I won't throw, I won't switch weights of a jig, but I'll change my trailer. Cause really like I, if I'm skipping or fishing a jig, I like a half ounce jig most of the time where I yeah. won't use a three eighths. I'll just use a bulkier trailer or something to change the fall rate. That's kind of the way I look at skirt material in a jig. If it's got a ton of skirt material in it, it's going to have a slower fall rate for sure. Right. And if right. you want it to fall faster, you can trim some of it out or change your trailer. Um, here's a, here's another feet. thing that I don't think yeah. a lot of people a lot of people talk about too, John. Uh, let me get. I'll, I'll give you an example. So first of all, I don't think the three quarters more than that. I would say eighty plus percent of fishermen out there don't cons, don't think about the weight of what they're throwing right. when they're throwing it. And what I mean by that mm -hmm. is. If they pull a three-eighth ounce jig out, they think they're throwing, I'm throwing a three-eighth ounce jig. But right. when you throw a four-inch paddle tail on the back, that adds yeah. so much weight. And I don't know what it weighs out to, but let me give you an example. I um I had bought some baits for saltwater, right? And they yeah. it's called a little, little mullet. And it's basically meant to be like a glide bait. Um, and it's, it's a heavier plastic. It's a five-inch glide bait pretty dense and i said well i said the way everyone throws this is on an underbellied weighted hook with a screw screw lock on it right yeah. on on the eyelet the the, the clip-ons mm -hmm. and and they everyone's talking about different weights and what they're throwing i go you know what i can make these myself right but then i go yeah. i i kind of know how much i want it to weigh and so i go right. i'm gonna weigh this plastic john i weighed this plastic it was almost an ounce Oh, yeah. I almost fell over. I go, yeah. now that's not as much of the trailers we're putting on the back of our jigs. But I will say, I guarantee that some of these trailers we're putting on the back of these jigs are well over an eighth of an ounce. Oh, for sure. And you can take, like, across the industry, buy jigs from every manufacturer they are and weigh them. Every one of them is going to be different. If it says it's half ounce, it might be close to three quarters. That's right. Are they weighing it? when they spin the head or cast the head or they weigh in it as a complete unit with the weed guard and the skirt material on it. So it's kind of relative to what, I mean, you don't know exactly what, uh, what the way of the jig is. You just basically going off what's on the package, you know, unless yeah, you wait. And you know, and I think, I mean, for us is from the bass end of things, I think one of the reasons we're able to, uh, basically, get away with all this without it really mattering much is because we're pitching, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. It changes fall rate. No, unquestionably, it changes fall rate. But the interesting thing is that volume 
is going right. to change fall rate as well. You know, it's no different mm-hmm. than when people talk about putting chatterbaits on the back of, or excuse me, paddle tails on the back of chatterbaits. I, I always say, I don't want a paddle tail on the back yeah. of my chatterbait. I want, I want my chatterbait. I want to change the weight of my j- chatterbait itself to do what I want it to do. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, and cause paddle tails will, will drastically change the lift. And I, people will talk about turning them upside down and everything else. Sure. You can do all those things. But um, the average the average fisherman right doesn't spend their time talking about this stuff and thinking about it like we do, you know. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, really, I want the chatterbait or bladed jig to do what it's supposed to do. I really don't want the trailer to do much more than just move. You know, I don't want yes. it lifting it. I don't want it dragging it down. I just want it to move. You know, because I mean, if you've ever seen one in the water, if it's moving. Doesn't matter if it's swimming or flapping or vibrating back and forth. The chatterbait is doing its job by the blade and the action of that skirt and everything on it. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely, John. One of my one of my buddies, he um he's a spinnerbait nut, and I, I will tell you, over the years, I've I've come and gone with my love of fishing spinnerbaits, and mostly based out of what I'm doing and where I'm fishing. Um, mm-hmm. but it always comes back. But the funny thing is, my my buddy, he he still to this day, 20 plus years, he's been using. Do you remember the old? I guess they still sell them now, right? The old um, they're just like a a, a worm, uh c- cylindrical type of small little body with two little long tails off of them. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The yeah. Long, the old the old school long spinnerbait trailers. He yeah, to that's this what day, I use on my baits. <laughs> he, I, he, he swears by these, and I just kind of laugh when, when we all talk about trailers and everything all the time because yeah. I go, you know, there's guys out there talking about putting all different types of stuff on the back of spinner baits, but I kind of, I, I think back to that. I go, man, yeah. Jimmy just likes to throw those thin little profile things on the yeah, back of his spinner bait. A little, a little Burke used to make a flat twin tail trailer. It's okay. A flat little bait with two twin tails. It's a really good chatterbait trailer too. But white white whale just said that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my go-to split tail or trailer for a spinnerbait is that twin tail, especially in you know I don't I don't really care for the swimming or the big grubs and stuff on my spinnerbaits. I just want action, sort of like with a chatterbait. I just want something moving back there. And really, it's just adding a little bit of bulk to the bait. More yeah, I I agree with you. All right, so so let's talk about your jigs a little bit more, John. So okay, um, we talked about the different varieties. Of course, I always well, I don't know. I mean, I guess I don't always go to the swim jigs, but I love swim jigs, you know. Um, right. and so what would you say out of your your jig line? What is the most popular of what of everything you guys have? Okay, so um, if you're talking about swim jigs. Probably, I would say our baby gill color because it emulates the bluegill so well. You, you um, hold that up again because you had that earlier. Yeah, I have one rigged up, but that's that's it right there. It, it looks like it's a lot more orange in it just with the camera, but it's like some smoke blue flake, some green pumpkin purple, a little bit of yep. this magic crawl color. It actually has five colors in it. I like that paint job on a head too. Yeah, it just has a little touch of orange on the head. It's kind of a magic crawl head. Um, probably that one or just our regular Glimmer Ghost, which is basically white um, in the swim jig. That's it's my favorite. Ha- okay. Um, and then 
what about um what would you say in the other in the other uh categories what's some of the most popular colors right same thing with like the flipping jig the male male crawl color is probably the most versatile color we sell okay and gp brown but i mean year after year black and blue is always the most highest selling color in a flipping jig like i never <laughs> throw a, i don't throw a black and blue a lot but Overall, if we go back and look at sales, black and blue is king still, which is different to me. But like, that's what I get for thinking what I do when other people throw black and blue a lot more than I do. You know? Yeah, I hear you. Hold on, I have. I I'm gonna tell my son to go grab something for me real quick. I'm gonna keep talking. Okay. I I just popped up on my laptop. And says your battery is running low. I'm gonna have him go get. Hey, can you do me a favor? Can you go out in my car on the floor of the passenger seat and grab my charger for the laptop and bring it up to me? Floor of the passenger seat. Yes. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. I guess that's what we do. We call our kids when they're in the house <laughs> with us now. Yeah. That's <laughs> um, yeah, so that, that in the flipping jig. Then when we go to like the finesse ball head jig, our little rock star jig. Yeah. Um, and that, that's a tough one because it's we have some really good colors and they're kind of spread out over the broad spectrum of everywhere i can't say one's better than the other um but gp brown is probably this the one to go to it's probably our okay. most popular color um just because it's a very natural color you know it's just just very natural brown gp you know you know it's funny john because i'm gonna raise my hand i'm gonna be brutally honest right now as much as I, I, I really love uh, black and blue, right? Mm -hmm. I, I have to tell you, I, I think it might be one of the least used colored jigs for myself, which is crazy because if you were to ask me and say, what's probably one of the most uh, successful jig colors, it would be that. Yeah. Absolutely. But I don't use it. It's always, to me, there's three different colors that are like I'm psychotic about. It's green pumpkin of some variety or shade right uh white and then i like uh i then i like an oddball so right. it's so funny to me because i have i have some cool little black and blue designs that i've had uh over the years and i just i don't know what it is i just don't fish it all the time and i probably should i as yep. an example i'm going to um i'm going to a little get together with the do it people uh in september on the mississippi river right. and uh and some of the crew from around the country is going to be coming coming in so i'm looking forward to that but uh so brennan chapman from do it mold says hey here's 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 some uh colors and some lures and things that work well and where we're going on the mississippi and every single category had white and then black and blue <laughs> you know talking about yeah, jig yeah. colors or swim jig colors and stuff and i i just kind of laughed i go well, I have I have plenty of those. I don't fish the yeah. black and blue as much. The whites I fish. Yeah, um, like in anyway. Football, in our football jig, probably, you know, our football jig has round rubber and silicone in it. So, okay, we go with a base color, round rubber, and then add silicone for accent. But the Texas crawl color is solid. It's okay. just a it's just a brown rubber with some black and some orange in it, and a little bit of pumpkin. It's a it's just Texas crawl, you know. It's the basic color, but it seems to work really well. Yeah, probably a number one selling color in the, in the football jig for sure. So speaking of orange, I 
I, I have no idea where I saw this the other day, John. I saw a jig, and you know, once in a while you see certain colors, a lot of things, like like you said, there's a lot of appreciation for other people's things. I saw somebody that had just a, a plain jig head that was painted, wasn't a skirted jig or anything. They were just posting, and the color was like um like a sil. I'm just gonna call it silver. There might have been a little bit of flash in it, like maybe hologram type of, but let's just call it primary body was silver. The back and top of it was like a uh, like a navy blue, not like a bright blue, like right. a navy blue, and it had a real small little orange throat on the underside of it. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I was looking at this jig and I go, "Good gosh, look at this jig!" Like I I sat there and I I said most of the time it's just, "Hey, I appreciate that jig. I like that color." But I saw this color and I go. I got to make that jig. You know what yeah. I mean? Like there's times where an orange, that's what it is. Orange is orange excites the heck out of me. And yeah. any way I could try and incorporate it into some designs. Uh, the only time I don't, and I kind of want to is with like a white swim jig, but I want to incorporate some orange colored, bright orange colored undertones into like a swim jig. I just yeah. think it would look slick as all get out. And, and Let's be honest. Anything with white looks good. Chartreuse and white, even oh, a little green pumpkin and white. How come we don't see more of that, John? Why don't we see more green pumpkin and white in a swim jig? I don't know. I mean, we we have done those before, um, like with a blueback herring style bait where we have. Y- yes, jig. exactly. Because we have a swim jig called BB Herring, and it has like a magic crawl green pumpkin back. Yes. Fish scale on the side in the middle of the jig, and it has like. Um, just a pearl bottom, and it, I, and it's a solid color. I mean, it, we have that in our spinner bait and swim jig line, and it sells. Like people buy it, they catch fish on it. It's a great color. The contrast. I've even seen a lot of guys using like black and white as a contrast, and it seems to work really good. Yeah, you know it's funny because you when you talk about bait fish, you're talking like, oh gosh, emerald shiners. Uh, creek chubs, there are so many different types of things. Um, you know, like, like there's a bite that my friends get on ice fishing on the Great Lakes, and I'm just, I'm not going to say where, but there's a bite that they get on the Great Lakes for walleye when they're ice fishing. And I'm not, I'm not an ice fishing guy, just it's not my jam. But they go after what do they call them? They call, they say they're, they're using uh, red bellied chubs. I'm like, I don't even know what a red bellied chub is, but. (laughs) When people talk and say these things, I start thinking in my head, I go, oh, what would that look like in a color if I was to make a jig like that? You know, Um, but green pumpkin and white, think of all the different bait fish that this thing imitates, you know? So I, what a a great color, you know? Yeah. All right, John. I tell you a really cool goal is to take like blue glimmer and white and put some orange in it, like on a swim jig. With orange? Yeah, it does look really good. I don't know oh, why, yeah. but it's just, uh, I mean, maybe it's our eyes looking at it, but it just looks really good. It flows really good. And, you know, like I've caught fish on it. I don't know if it makes a difference to have the orange in there or not, you know, but I mean, it's and just what is it, John? White, blue glimmer, blue glimmer, shimmer, whatever the heck with yep. a little bit of orange. Yep, just a little bit of orange, like bright orange, but only about three strands max. Yes, just a little bit. Yeah. I, um, 
I kind of, you know, I'll, I'll tell you a color. Um, I haven't posted in a while. If people go back and dig through my stuff, they'll, they'll be able to find it. But I have a bluegill pattern that I kind of mm-hmm. am fanatical about. Like everyone, everyone has their own bluegill pattern. Right. And, right. and mine, I just absolutely love. But one of the things that I put in my bluegill pattern and people go back and find it, they could pick through it and really parse through the different colors I put in there. They're not the typical ones that people put in. And that's the cool thing about everyone's bluegill patterns. Right. But what, I put a couple of strands of the, um, what is it? It's pumpkins. It's a fire tail. It's a pumpkin seed with an orange fire tail on it. Yeah, it's like, and, it's a hot crawl. It's a hot crawl, yeah. And yeah. and the cool thing about it is it adds just enough orange where it's on the back end of the trailer or on the tail of the jig where yeah. it's not through the whole body because I introduced some blue. And I, yeah. I just think it's the bee's knees, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's one of the colors that's in, like, the male male crawl color is, like, a few strands of that hot crawl, and it's just, it sets it off. Because, I mean, bluegill across the country are so many different colors. You could have, you know, down in Florida, they're black. You know, they're, they're like, black and blue and purple, like, very dark colors. And then you have some that's more muted colors, more grays and very washed-out colors. And then you have yeah. some that has, like, some orange on it and some teal blue you know, you have so many different colors of bluegills. That's why you see so many different cool bluegill colors. I mean, we had three at one time. We had like our regular bluegill, and then we had baby gill, and then we had one we call bullgill, which was a very dark, like a purple green pumpkin swirl color with a little bit of orange in it. It was really cool. Interesting. You know, it's um. I think John DeMay is one of my buddies. He's a Chicago area guy. John DeMay from uh, the Chicago area, Dem Jigs. I, maybe maybe you want to kill me when he watches this and sees that I say this about him. But I saw him put, uh, um, it was, I want to call it cantaloupe, like a yeah. cantaloupe color yeah. uh, for his bluegill. And I just looked at it. I go, look at that. It was almost a little more pinkish. And I go, oh, my God, look at this. It, it was so and I've said it before on the show, the thing that excites me the most of jig patterns, if I was to say a color profile, it's bluegill. I love seeing yeah. what people come up with uh, for bluegill mm-hmm. colors. And in the same thing, somebody was just saying, um, you know, the blue has got a, I think it was white whale possibly said it above, but, you know, it's got a, um, I'm thinking that, it'll, oh no, it was Anthony. He says, you know, I'm thinking that would look like a sunfish with the orange. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's so many, um, so many cool looking uh, color profiles and I don't know, it just orange excites me because there's so much to do with it. I do like your, um, that blue shimmer idea. I kind of, I kind of want to play around with that a little bit. There's a couple of the um, nature's edge colors that I really like that. I want to yeah. maybe mess around with that a little bit for, for some color. That, that orange color you're talking about, like that cantaloupe or that kind of peachy orange color. Yes. Is the color I would use in that blue glimmer and white jig. It's, no, it's not super bright, but it it really looks good with that blue glimmer. I don't know why. Well, it, it's almost like it's. I I don't. Well, I mean, maybe you could call it almost moving towards translucent, right? Yeah. It's yeah. light. It's uh. It, I could just see it mixing in with that blue, uh, shimmer really well. Yeah. What a great yeah. idea. It's fun, and you know what the thing is? I always tell people, I'm like, I don't mind talking about these things because if somebody's got the gumption to go by the, the the tabs and put things together, then by all means, do do as you will. Right? I mean, that's why we're all doing it. It's fun to 
just take some, I mean, sometimes it's like, just get out of the box a little bit and go, you know, to left field and put some stuff together and see what it looks like, you know? All right. So listen, I, I appreciate Mario here um, because he just made a comment and I kind of, it reminded me of something that you and I talked about, John. So he, his comment is pink and orange make a great saltwater jig color for Cobia. Very bright combination. Mario, is that New York, Mario? Comment in chat if that's you, Mario. I think it's you. I think it's New York, Mario. Um, but, John, so, guys, listen. So, John and I are talking the other day, and uh, the thing that we were talking about is um, things that start – and this is – we haven't talked about this a ton on the show. And this is introducing uh, – blue plays off of Blue Shimmer a little bit, but it's more like the Blue Craw type of profile for – Let's talk about blue crabs in tidal waters. Right. So talk to me, talk to me about that a little bit, John, because I think you there's people that buy your jigs that are using some of these things for you know tidal water fishing that right you know, that they may be hunting or focusing on blue crabs. Yeah, I wish I had a I wish I had a picture. I actually have a picture. I could probably post it on Jig Squad or send it to you. It's a, okay. one of the first blue crab imitators because the guy called me he fished the james river and potomac and all that stuff and he's like i want you to make this jig for me and he told me the colors he wanted in it and i built it and it didn't look like great to me but it was like exactly what he wanted and he went out sure. there and caught fish in it and caught fish on it and he's like man he's like that's what the crabs look like in my body of water they're not like your typical blue crab they have a little bit different color tones of green in them okay and we built that but i feel like the Tidal guys kind of overlook the bass eating blue crabs because blue crabs go way up into the river systems um, from the coast. So, I mean, they do, don't they? That, yeah. And I mean, if you're in the realm of a blue crab color, you're also in the realm of a bluegill color, I think, and yeah. also just a regular crawfish color. So, I mean, that would be what I will be throwing on the tidal rivers. But with that being said, Sometimes the darker colors rain on these tidal rivers over like a blue crab color jig for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, you know, it's so interesting because, I mean, the craws will go through various stages as well where yeah. you'll you'll catch them, you know, different times of the season where they'll be bluish brown. The uh, You know, I call it the, the, the Protect Magic craw colors, right? Yeah, yeah. Just because those are the things I have in my mind. Um but interesting enough, like you hear the guys on the Chesapeake and them talking about the, um, you know, the title, the title flow and blue crab and things like that. And some guys don't talk about it, but I will tell you, once you start hearing little bits and pieces, you start to put things together. Yep. As an example, there's a reason why guys absolutely love GP and blue right. on the Chesapeake Bay. Right. There's a reason for that. And so that extends all the way down the entire coastline and and what's crazy is i'm in chicago and i don't have any of that but yeah. i will tell you there are times where that blue crawl type of color is fantastic and i think you yeah. said it right earlier john once you could create something um once you could create something that has a, a multi species uh, or bait fish type of you cover whether it be bluegill, sunfish family, craw. Now you're talking, right? Yeah. And 
and now you're trying to replicate. It's not a shot color. It's not a a, a classic white profiled swim jig. You know, you could get away with a lot of stuff by adding that blue craw in. Right. And, uh, I kind of, it excites me because I think, and here's why it excites me, not because of what it might imitate. It excites me because there are so many different types of colors and um, different types of skirting materials out there that can replicate that type of profile. Yeah. I think the possibilities are endless. It would be like making uh, um, bluegill jigs. There's yeah. that many types of varieties yeah. of what you can use. Yeah, you talk about the blue crab, like up there, like the Chesapeake Bay, upper Chesapeake, Potomac, James River. If those, most of those guys that fish those bodies of water, every one of them probably has a stick bait in their boat that's GP blue swirl or something in that category. You, you know the magic crawl blue swirl color stick bait a lot of guys throw? They yeah. love that color there. I mean, it looks like a blue crab. I mean, they, they throw it like religiously up there. You know, Gary Gary here highlights the point of just in fishermen, um, you know, just we, we don't have a full understanding of their visions, color, shapes, <laughs> yeah. they can actually see. It's so It's so true. And I will say this. This is my opinion of color, right? I will tell you this. If you ask a, a clear water fisherman whether color matters, they're going to tell you it sure to heck does. Yeah. And and they're going to say that. And you you ask other people, and they're going to say, no, it doesn't. But what I'll say on this is I hate this. I I learned this out of, the, out of doing a lot of studying of snook fishermen, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And, and basically – the snook fisherman would throw big old flare hawks underneath the bridges. And so Matt's in here, South Jersey fisherman. He, he, he knows some of this too, because he follows all the salt stuff and fishes salt too. But these big old, they, they love, it's all about silhouettes to them, right? right? It's all about colored, what the change in colors do for silhouettes and, right. and what it looks like to them. Because what's funny is what they're fishing when they're fishing big bridges at night is the shade lines. And the lights off the bridges, and they they work their flare hawks to sweep them along those and into those lines, and, right. and that's where they they get slammed by the bigs. And and I only started learning about this in the last couple of years, right? But what it's done for me is to remind me that you know what the argument of color, I, I guess whether they can or can or in between, it's undeniable that they could see shades of right. It's right. a dark yeah. profile. Or it's a lighter profile, and what does that look like in the water? And I think yeah. that 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 alone excites the heck out of me. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and too, like it depends on the way the fish is looking at something. If they're looking up at something near the surface, most everything is just going to have a silhouette. I don't feel like you can really see the color as much. If it's on the bottom, to me, if a fish can see color, like we don't actually know this for a fact, but. If a fish can see color, I feel like if they're looking down on something with the sun shining on it, I think that they should be able to differentiate between tones, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because if you, you know how it is. If you're in a swimming pool and something goes over your head on the pool, like somebody drugs something across, it just looks black. If yeah. nothing, if light can't get through it, you know? Right. And and the thing is... Uh, and, and maybe it's a depth of water thing. You know, maybe yeah. maybe it changes so much when you go into sa- sa- I will, shallow I will water. Say this, you know? Yeah, this about color to me, 
as far as just fishing jigs and, and colors and, you know, just, just with dealing with everybody and so many different customers liking different colors. I think confidence is more important in a jig color than color itself. I agree with that. Fish. I feel like he's going to present the bait better. He's going to fish it better. He's going to know that if I put this thing in the right places, it's going to get bit. You know, like for me, I feel like confidence is more important than color. I think if you're in the ballpark of where you need to be on color, I don't care if it's 18 shades different than this way or that way. I think confidence to me is more important than the color itself. You know, it's um, it's a great, that's a great comment. And, you know, it's funny because like when you talk even like about like the oddball colors, oddball colors work when you get bit on one and you decide to make more, right? It yeah, doesn't mean yeah, right. that they, they, they don't all work. I, sometimes you get, everyone knows this. There's a fishing mystique that occurs out. There. I can recall, John, I remember being uh, up on the Door County Peninsula on the far northern, on the far northern end of the Door County Peninsula, um, fishing for smallmouth. And we found this channel and I'll never forget, we parked the boat on this channel out, out in the middle of nowhere. And I kid you not, it was like, it was one of the biggest bonanzas of fish. I, you know, the amounts, volume, the numbers of fish we caught that I could all, and they were all on a tube. And just out of respect for my friend, I'm not going to say what the color <laughs> was because it's not my color. But at the end of the day, it was one of those things where I felt, I've never felt so connected to my bait in my entire life. And I will tell you this, since that day, I could tell you, I, I have, I, I have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of this tube color and I don't share it with anyone. And I save it for when I'm with that one buddy <laughs> and I'll never go through them all. I have enough to last me until I think time will be gone. And the funny thing is no one, no one fishes this color and, it, and well you know how that goes right oh, but yeah. it's one of those things i felt so connected I, I i just recall that time and so anytime you get confidence in what you're fishing and you have success with it you're likely to replicate that why because what well, you guys all know i'm in education but my background is in psychology and and i'll i'll just put it i'll leave it like that right but how you process things is extremely important. And when you have success with things, right, you are likely to replicate those instances because you had some physiological response to what happened. And so it's just, it's a, it's an amazing phenomenon. And there's plenty of times in my life that I've never come close to achieving that feeling, but there are a few. And when you yeah. do, man, it's like using an oddball color and you're like, this is lights out the best. Right. And I like the comment about contrast because that I do see the importance of that, the contrast. Um, and I think sometimes you kind of either have to go natural or you got to stand out. You know what I mean? It's a good comment. You know what I mean? Good it's comment. like you're either trying to be very, you know, match the hatch kind of person or you got to stand out. And sometimes that depends on the situation, you know, especially with shad colors when you have like fish feeding on a ton of shad. And sometimes that bait that stands out from all the rest of the thousands of shad swimming through there ends up being the bait color that you need to be throwing, you know? That's a good comment, too. And, you know, funny enough, I will say this, John. I'm not afraid to admit this. 
I think that I conceptualize and think about shad colors, but I definitely don't design. I don't think I design with trying to diversify shad colors. And it's something I'd like to do, you know, right. um, and maybe, maybe I will, maybe, maybe this winter will be the time that I start trying to build swim jigs where I'm going to try and replicate different shad patterns. But you know, I'll tell you this, I, I make more jigs than I could ever fish. Right. That's right. the way I kind of look at it. And, um, and that's part of the fun of it all, you know, um, John, let me ask you this. Cause I don't want this feature to talk about it. Um, here's another, another cool little thing that we kind of talked about too. So when you're making your skirted jigs, so you're, you're predom predominantly your, your jig designs that you're making business wise, all skirted jigs, correct? I mean, yeah. silicone, silicone or rubber skirted jigs. Exactly. Yes. And you were fi finishing those jigs in what style? Are you wire tying? Are you hand tying? And what do you think about the difference between the two? Okay, well, I, I don't hate any type of hand tying. Like, I like any type of hand tie jig. I despise bands. I just hate them. Okay. So, I mean, that's the reason I started making baits is to hand tie my own jigs. <laughs> right, I, right, right. So I like thread tying, but for time's sake, and over the years when I've made them to sell, I use wire just because of the speed. I don't feel like, you know, there's there's arguments over thread versus wire. We kind of touched on that when we were talking. But yep. really, like, I, I like this. If you, as long as you have the correct size wire, I feel like you can tie a nice jig with wire. And that's what we do in our shop, just for time's sake, really, more than anything. Um, but like they are secure, they're not coming off. It makes the, the skirts flare right as long as it's tightened correctly and all that. But that's my thinking on it. I mean, okay. I don't, I'm not saying any, any version of any hand tying is bad. I'm just saying for our production in our shop, that's what we do. And we do it on everything. We don't send anything out with a skirt. It's not hand tied, whether it be buzz bait, spinner baits, jigs. All right. Let me, let me ask this. Um, so I think one of the other things that we talked about that I kind of want to highlight too, is that, um, I, um, is, is wire diameter, right? And I believe you said that you like using 22 gauge, correct? Yeah. All right. So it's, so folks, whether you're in chat or you're listening on replay, the reason I'm bringing this up is because right now I use 26 gauge. Hang okay. on just a second. Let me grab let me grab my wire and make sure I'm telling you correct. Oh my god. Don't yeah. don't do this. You were gonna get me to go get some 22. I've been talking about it forever. I said I wanted to start using some 22, but go ahead. I, I want to actually see. we use 24 and 22 depending on the skirt. It's I understand. Yeah. I actually two, those are the two gauges we use the most. I've used 26 before and I feel like it's it's really too thin. thin. Yeah, it's too thin. It, it to me is too thin and I don't, I don't know how else to describe it. I, I use it. Um, but I just feel it's too thin and I want to go down in the right. wire diameter that I'm using. And I, and I feel I've worked in other areas of this life in with 22 and 24 gauge. And I totally feel that I will be fine with it. And I know what it looks like. And, but I want to play around with it a little bit more. And, um, yeah, it's crazy because I'll tell you when I'm six gauge, I feel compelled 
to do extra reps. And I I almost don't want to do extra reps with the 26 gauge. I, I don't want that volume. Um, and and I and I'll a couple different reasons. One, because I think that even though it's thinner diameter, I think that it also creates um it changes the splay of the um the splay of the of the second half of the skirting material, right? And it changes the volume of what it looks like. And so I basically want to go less. And there are some people that I don't think feel they can maybe accomplish it if they went down, or excuse me, to a, a larger diameter wire. I yeah, feel that can, I can, can and big. I want to try it. Yeah, you can get too big with it too. This is really depends on your collar too, you know, on the jig. But some collars are, they have a, a broader sp you know, space for you to tie. And some are really yeah, that's tight. true. And that's why we use at least two or three wraps, depending on the jig. Yeah, I um, I get that. And you know, listen, if you're if you're out there, uh, and you're somebody that maybe you're not using wire or you haven't started making skirted jigs, I'll just go back to kind of talked about. You don't always have to learn how to use thread, right? You could start off with wire, right. but I think the biggest thing is there's a lot of companies out there. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, obviously if you want to buy your jigs, buy your jigs, right? But if you want to make some jigs too, I think the thing is just, just go buy some plain jig heads and, and then buy some skirt tabs and play around and wire is probably the easiest way to get started. Cause then you're not having to buy a bobbin. And, um, and I'm, I've heard the advice that people have talked about this winter. I want to have, do a show and talk about just some basic materials about getting started and some basic mm -hmm. techniques um, but the reason it's easy is because you could go to Barlow's Tackle, you could go on Do It site, you can go to Lure Parts Online, and you could buy some pre pre made up jig heads. You could buy them plain if you want to paint them, and a couple packs of skirt tabs, and you you could be all set to kind of making some of your own custom jigs. And I think it's a it's a good way to um, you know feel like you're invested in creating and making things. And I I'll say this for me, it's a tremendous outlet. You know, yeah. I love it. Yeah. John, I, I I tell the crew all the time, you know, everyone that comes to the show, I'm like, I never, never sold jigs. I think back in the day, there was a period of time where friends were giving me a few bucks here and there to cover materials and stuff. And yeah. um, so for me, it's, uh, it's for the love of the game. I don't have to worry about the appeal of how much is going to sell and not, you know, <laughs> I just get to make for myself and, to be honest, yeah, I, I've I've given away John probably ninety percent of the jigs I've ever made. You know, yeah, and and too, like there's a lot of people and forums out there you can get on that everybody's willing to share information and and help you out. Because I mean, in in all honesty, if you're making jigs for a living, it takes a lot of work. You know, if you're if you're doing it the right way and hand pouring everything and painting it and and doing all that, but it's really just fun to get out there and. Sometimes figure out things on your own too. Like you might find something, you know, you might figure something out that you really like to do that nobody else is doing. And you're like, Oh, hey, yes. I came up with something. Um, there's a burn, there's a burnout from things. Sometimes I, I, I shouldn't say burnout. I think that it is, um, I would call it, there's a stress from making things. And what right. I mean by that is um, there's a time, it, it happens with buying material. Maybe it's with tackle. And to be, for me, it, for most jig designers, I think it happens with uh, skirt tabs. Yeah. You just have so many things in your head and there's so many things you want to make. 
for me, it happened when I started learning how to fly tie and use materials. I was like, oh, I got to have that. I got to have that. I got to have this. And next thing you know, I have so many different things that I wasn't making. And a lot of advice for anyone that's out there and thinking about getting started making some things, they always say, have one thing in mind that you want to make. Maybe two different colored jigs that you want to make, three different colors, but don't go more than that. And then buy the things you need to make those jigs and that material. And then from there you build and expand and, um, or or you do what, what Paladin said earlier. And he says, I just buy all my stuff. He, (laughs) you know what? Hey, John, he, Paladin was the one that said earlier that he had had, I believe some of your custom buzz baits and he had Brian Schmidt who's in chat, uh, tie up some hair on those buzz baits. And I don't know what these crazy creations turned out to be. (laughs) But I think they might have been your buzz baits at one point in time. So, awesome. yeah. So, I mean, I think um, I don't know. I'm I I do I personally want to try going down in wire diameter a little bit. When I say down, it's really going up in thickness because it's going from twenty six to twenty four or twenty two. Yeah. I'll probably get twenty four. I mean, it when you drop down to twenty two, it starts getting fairly thick. But twenty four sure. is probably a good place to start. I wouldn't go too far the other okay. way. That's good advice. Yep. Um, and, you know, for, for anyone who's in chat, you know, if you have, here's the thing, you'll hear a lot of different things on this show um, and different approaches and styles. And the cool thing is you're at least hearing people that are on, like John tonight uh, or other guests that we've had that are kind of showing you to like, hey, I, th- these things all can work. And I think that's the kind of beauty of all of it. Um, yeah. What about the future for um, True South, John? What what do you have in mind for uh, some things coming up? I know you made a mention of coming out with some new colors and stuff like that. Talk, yeah. Anything else? We're, we're we're bringing back some of the stuff that we were making before. Like we're bringing back some different versions of spinnerbaits. We're bringing back some old colors that guys have really been asking for. Um we're working on some new versions and some brand new stuff, like as far as buzz baits and stuff like that. We're, nice. gonna, we're working on another finesse jig. And like I already said, we're, we're kind of tweaking our swim jig design. So hopefully by next year, we'll have a new swim jig head, which will be all our own design and nothing nice. generic. You know, that's what we're trying to get to. Cool. Um, but, but really, man, we're just trying to take care of our customers and, and give you some great baits at a good price that you can go out there and have confidence in fishing and, you know, making you feel like you're part of our business and helping us succeed where we want to go in the industry. Oh, uh, which, which is extremely valuable because, yeah. you know, as I, I think there's some people that know this, but just haven't heard me say this. And John and you guys, John and I were talking, I said, you know, here's the thing. I, I want to, um, anytime you can feel connected or, know some more information about the the people you buy from or uh the jigs you're getting or some of the story behind them whether it's john talking about the mel mel car or whatever the heck it is you know i don't know it makes things personal a little bit and yeah don't get me wrong if somebody makes a great product but they're an absolute tool maybe i'm still going to use their product (laughs) but at the end of the day the fishing industry is a small place and so like if you know things about a a designer a company um, their product line, you're able to have a little more history about them. I don't know. It just makes it a little more appealing and you feel like there's a, uh, like you're connected with them and there's a relationship with it. 
And so basically that's that's been one one part of you know true south and kind of why I, I've been attracted to their their brand and and like I said, funny enough, I, I didn't know, I didn't even know the connection between them and Biz Bates at first and Brian Souza. So I mean, you know, so it makes it all the better. John, I gotta tell you, buddy, it was fantastic. We got I liked a lot of couple of things we you know talked about tonight, the blue cross stuff, the title fishing, uh, yeah. all of it. I um I I would be real interested to maybe get you on uh, as we move into next year again and talk a little bit more. But I mean, I really appreciate you coming on tonight, bud. Yeah, man, I really appreciate the opportunity to come on, and I enjoy you know looking at everybody's stuff and and seeing the creation sure. that they have, and it kind of inspires me to you know go back to the shop and like come up with some new stuff on my own, other than just sitting around and like just continuing to produce the same stuff. So. I really sure. appreciate being able to come on and I'd love to come back and like dive into some really like specific stuff if you want to. Absolutely. Um, I, I really enjoy it. I also think John, I, I keep, I keep note of the, the, the creators out there that also make um, spinner baits and buzz baits and all that kind of stuff. Cause everyone jokes. And I always say, I go, one of these days I'm going to have like a, a panel of people on to come in and talk <laughs> about spinner baits and buzz baits and all that stuff too. But I said, I, I, I at least need to get through a year of doing right. straight jigs before I start expanding. Um, so, I mean, listen, before we go here, John, I'm going to have you stay in chat. But I just want to throw out to the, the crew. I took a picture of this. So everyone in chat, or if you're watching on replay, first of all, John's awesome. I appreciate having True South uh, Custom Lures here tonight. But I just got to tell you, if you don't, if you're not on Instagram, and you don't get to see things. I I posted on my story of a lineup of who's um all coming on the show for the rest of the year. So and obviously it was led by you know John and True South Custom Custom Lures tonight. But we we got some banging shows coming up too. So next week Frank Scalish is coming on. Uh, after that, oh gosh, One Cast Fishing. Aaron, my my boy from Do It Molds uh, that does stuff with Do It Molds with me. Aaron Diddy's on. Matt Luna fishing on the fly tackle. Jamie Bruce fishing. Big Jim McLaughlin from up in Canada, and then fishing with Weensy from the East awesome. Coast. And then guys, the 29th of December. It's a long way off, but that's going to be the one year anniversary show. So um, I I don't know what we're going to plan for that yet. <laughs> you know, maybe it'll be a medley of John and all these other great people that we have on stopping in and chatting for a little bit or something crazy. I don't know. Um, but John, I cannot thank you enough. I appreciate you tremendously. Um, and I definitely do want to get you on. So um, yeah. to everyone out there, I appreciate you all. Uh, John, stay in chat. Oh, look at that. <laughs> but Hey guys, you see that? That's that's the latest. Uh, that's one of the sticker lines. Sticker pack number two. Yeah, right? I love that one. Look at John's dialed in, <laughs> guys. I appreciate you tremendously. Remember to hit the like button if you're not subscribed. Hit the subscribe button. We'll be back in two weeks with Frank Scalish. Peace. I'm out. See you, man.